The Lowdown Chronicles. Meet your maker. So now we are back at uh, Lowdown Podcast, this time with none other than Aris Nuge, founder and uh, creator of Acronym Clothing. Hi, Arison. What's up? Thanks What's for up? having me. Thanks for having me. How are you these days? Um, good. I uh, just got vaccinated, so feeling like uh, light at the end of the tunnel from this entire... I mean, I'm sure it's still going to take a while, but um, it did feel like a significant change. Like, ah, finally... <laughs> <laughs> so are you uh, looking forward to travel again? Um, yes and no. I'm, uh, I mean, before lockdown, I travel like way too much. And um, like on the road, like six, seven months of the year, probably sometimes. And then uh, when the first lockdown happened, like in the beginning of 2020, I just, that was the longest I'd stayed still for, I don't know, over 10 years. And I was like, wow, this is actually great. <laughs> I can have a routine. I don't have to like, you know, stress out about like how many more days I have to do whatever. Um, but then, of course, now, you know, a year and a half later. Um, yeah, there's places I would definitely like to visit and people I'd like to see and all that stuff. And when you live that kind of lifestyle for that long, like all my friends are distributed around the world, you know, like, um, which makes it kind of odd. But, you know, thank God for Zoom yeah. and FaceTime and whatever. Yeah, true. What would you say? Are you more productive or inspirational productive when you are on lockdown and at one place? Or do you get more inspired by traveling? That's a good question. I think it's different, actually. I get different kinds of inspiration from both. Obviously, traveling is great. Um, but, you know... I'm always amazed at the amount of stuff I can learn and find on, on Instagram. <laughs> like, you know, there's always some, you know, interesting new thing that, uh, that pops up. Obviously, a lot of it's garbage, too. But, um, yeah, I'd say there's different types of inspiration. It's, uh, I mean, traveling, you know, you get all of the incidental stuff. Like, how do the taxis work here? How does this, you know, do people use cash or do they use, you know, only... Apple Pay or whatever. Um, I always find that stuff super cool. But um, yeah, but like I said, you can deep dive on, you know, YouTube videos and Instagram and whatever and, and find an incredible amount of, of stuff that you just wouldn't normally. So, yeah. So if you like talking about Instagram and if you see Instagram, it's like kind of a mood board as well. Yeah. Where you I mean, find all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think this this the generation now, you know, all of us growing up uh, or all the people who have grown up with social media existing, like from go. Um, I mean, they must be exposed to more images than any any time in human history. Right. And uh, so visual literacy in that respect is just is off the charts. Um, and then uh, for me, it's just like I'm. I don't really use it as a mood board in terms of like um, 
like creative, like my work with acronym design stuff. I'm more like into weird, um, yeah, look at all these weird, you know, knife videos or here's this crazy dude in China doing, you know, nunchucks super fast. You know, what <laughs> yeah. Which brings yeah. me to a good question. What's your biggest addiction? My biggest addiction uh, right now is probably Instagram. <laughs> no, um, I'm going to say sleeping is actually my number one. I love taking naps. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good answer. That's a, I love it. That's a very good answer. Yeah, I'm all about... Uh, I'm, I would nap all the time. I, I, I don't have a sofa in the studio at the office because if I did, it would just be like, I'd just be there all the time. Everything out of order. <laughs> so how do you grow up? How, how early you got in touch with rain, cold and snow? Uh, uh, right away, pretty much instantly. I uh, grew up in Canada, in northern Canada. And uh, most, I mean, I was born in a place called Winnipeg, which is like, literally the middle of nowhere and uh but grew up formative years like in a place called edmonton which is like uh i don't think there's even a million people now but relatively far north um so winter was like you know minus 30 plus wind chill that was pretty normal i had a 10 minute walk to school and by the time i would arrive i would have like icicles from my you know eyelashes and uh you could crack like break your scarf because it was just frozen solid you couldn't feel your toes you know like um so you de-thaw and stamp everything out and uh yeah so that i didn't realize that until much later like oh that probably influenced uh, the, the work i do <laughs> yeah what were you inf do you had an older brother who like um or how did your family in general influenced your interests like for example in in martial arts or Um, yeah, I had a younger brother, actually. He's, he's two and a half years younger than I am, uh, Harlan, who lives in L.A. now, is a, and he's a software um, designer. Um, he's, like, fitter, smarter, younger. <laughs> I'm only tall. He's richer, too. I'm only, I'm only taller. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we grew up together very closely. Um, on the creative side, my, my parents... Uh, That was a huge influence, actually, because they had the... My dad is an architect, my mom is an interior architect, and they had their small studio um, uh, for most of the time was part of the house. So the house was sort of divided in two, and you could go through one door, and then you'd be in the office. Um, so we used to go over there. Like, nobody was in the house. We were just always at the office and messing around on the blueprint machine and, you know, playing with all the gear. And uh, so that fully... That type of like living and working as one, that was already, you know, since I was like so small. Yeah. There was a lot of techy stuff in the house when we're, you were young. I guess you could say that, yeah. I mean, we definitely had like a fax machine before, like, this is like how old I am, a fax machine before anyone else, you know? <laughs> and then, we're all and, the same age here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, like my dad had email, you know, in the, in the 90s, you know, when it used to cost money to send each email. And, uh, yeah, so there was lots of equipment around. Um, CAD software. There's a plotter. Um, yeah, plus my dad was just always into, like, uh, computers. And uh, so, 
you know, that all started. He, he eventually, he, I remember he took my brother and I out to the computer store, which was a thing back then. Um, Galactica Computers, I still remember the name. And we got an Apple II Plus and uh, brought it home and we're like, okay, what are you supposed to do with this? <laughs> it's not like, it's not like today where, you know, like it didn't do anything. You know, it was like, you had to literally, I don't, know, I don't know how many programs you could have bought to run on it straight, but like, it's not like today with the app store or whatever. Um, but that was the introduction to computers and technology. And uh, you know, obviously that, my brother was definitely more, um, uh, that was more in line with his way of thinking and whatever, and, and that's that's the path he followed. But I was always, always around it. I always felt um, that I knew my way around that stuff until I moved out and my brother wasn't there anymore to like solve everything. <laughs> that's, that's when I realized, hey, I didn't learn anything actually. <laughs> I mean, you've done pretty good so far, so. Um, yeah, I had other skills, I guess, <laughs> in, in the end, you know. <laughs> and, and what brought you to Germany at the end? Uh, Germany was, um, yeah, so I went to, uh, went to university in Toronto and studied, actually studied fashion design at a place called Ryerson. Um, and uh, I was the worst student probably ever. Almost got expelled twice. Multiple run-ins with all the teachers, whatever. I was just, I was also like, had an attitude problem. <laughs> I just, I just wasn't the, I just wasn't the best uh, healthiest human at the time um, and then anyway Canada had like a recession when we graduated and um, there was like you know, no jobs nothing to do um, I don't think like the amount of people that work in the industry that graduated from that year is like I'm sure it's less than one percent like nobody there's no there's no industry in, in Canada or not none to speak of um, on any kind of like scale, uh, you pretty much have to do it yourself. It's better now, but um, back then it was like, this is pre-internet, so there's literally, you know, you got all your information from magazines and everything came from somewhere else. And uh, um, anyway, so all of that graduating was super depressing. And uh, my girlfriend at the time was like, all right, I'm going back home, which was Germany. And um, I was like, I never been to Europe. <laughs> I'll come with you, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, and that's it. And then just uh, showed up with like, you know, seven hundred Canadian dollars, and uh, and just and then there was a recession in Germany as well. That was funny too. So uh, and then she ended up going off to study uh, Japanese actually in uh, at the. Uh, At, uh, in Tübingen, at the Universität there. And then, so it, that, that also didn't work out as far as jobs and stuff like that. But um, yeah, and then just stuck around, tried to learn German, you know, painted fences, taught English, did like whatever. And uh, first, it, first industry job was actually in the warehouse, like packing stuff in boxes at some sports company. I can't even remember the name of now. But like, had to get up at like, I think four or five a.m. Wow! Like, <laughs> What sports company was, it was that? It was huh? just crazy. It was it was literally a warehouse job. Like there was nothing, you know. Like um, you know, try and peek in the box and see like the stuff. <laughs> that was that was kind of it. It was crazy, but um, yeah. And then uh, so we struggled along with all this stuff and tried to make things happen. Uh, eventually, I started designing uh, stuff for like local snowboard brands. 
and uh, I'd always been interested in, in the technical side of things, um, also in school. But, uh, and then, yeah, so then when I saw my first, like, snowboard jacket, I was like, oh, this is super interesting. It does all this stuff. And back then they were putting, like, you know, Kevlar pads on the elbows and padding and the knees and stuff like that, which um, definitely isn't a thing anymore. But, um, yeah, and long story short, we worked for, like, anyone who would pay us to do anything um, for years until... You know, the frustration was just like, what are we actually spending our time doing? Got so big. They were like, all right, you know, no one else is going to do this with us. Let's just do it ourselves. And, uh, and that's how we started Acronym. And, uh, yeah, it took a lot longer than we thought <laughs> to actually make it into, like, a real uh, company or brand or um, a business where you could actually just survive on, you know. Um, and for years, we were just doing whatever freelance gigs we could get <clears throat> that would pay for, you know, everything. And then all the money we made with that, we'd stick into the brand and try to grow it and try to, <clears throat> excuse me, try to make, um, make products. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we are at Acrim right now. And I, I mean... In my mind, you um, you changed the whole game with bringing up uh, acronym because you somehow bridged the gap between the the outdoor snowboards technical scene, I would say, mm -hmm. like the padding and kneeing stuff you just said, <laughs> yeah, and then brought it totally into into the streetwear um, section. Yep. So talking about urban warrior or like the city tech urban soldier stuff so <laughs> yeah. this is like when i'm looking at your work i mean i see a, a lot of super forward thinking future-minded ideas sometimes it's just mechanical stuff yep. do you feel the same or is this stuff you bringing into your clothing there forever like for the last hundred years nobody used it or um, how do we <clears throat> I would say it's both, actually. Um, I would say on the material side, we look towards uh, like the newest, you know, latest um, technologies. But then a lot of the times, actually, contrary to what people sort of assume, we um, on the manufacturing side will tend to use like very traditional methods. Um, and in the end, we're actually like, we don't care where it comes from. We're like... Um, solution agnostic I guess let's call it that so as long as it works we'll we'll take it and, and try to use it to do something that um, that we couldn't do before so um, if that's the uh, you know Middle Eastern ethnic uh, dress like or tracht or whatever you want to call it or if it's um, you know something from the military or it's a tailoring technique um, we kind of don't really care where it comes from it's and we have a lot of fun researching all that stuff um yeah so was your brand meant to be into the streetwear section or used by uh like urban consumer or yeah i guess even when we started um it wasn't as clearly defined as it is now i would say too like streetwear wasn't like this massive force that it is now. Like nobody saw um, like all of our generation, you know, all, all the people who started stuff back then 
you know, now they're like, some of them are listed on the stock exchange in Hong Kong and like, you know, are like have sold companies for billions of dollars, right? Um, that was never on the horizon, right? It was just, you're making stuff um, for yourself and for your friends. And that was kind of the main thing. But um, acronym, I'm like now I would say, yes, it's streetwear. But uh, when we started, it also probably wasn't because um, it was it was way too expensive, right? So we were too, you know, too expensive for streetwear, too technical for fashion, too stylish for um, outdoor, right? So it was, we didn't fit into any of those categories, which is one of the reasons it took us so long to grow because, you know, people just didn't know what to do with us for a very long time, right? And um, yeah, so we're just really stubborn, I guess is what it comes down to. <laughs> we like, had this idea that we want to have this type of uh, abilities built into our stuff and like um, and just not have to worry about the clothes and not have to like, you know, we want the gear to take care of you rather than you have to take care of it. But you also still want to look presentable or express yourself in a certain way. So the aesthetics are equally important. Um, and I guess that's just never really happened. I guess in the design world, you know, the designers that I meet, they almost always have, uh, or in the past anyway, have almost always had, an, it's an either-or thing, where they either have the skill set to do the aesthetics, which is remarkably complex um, uh, intellectually, or they have the skill set to do the engineering, which is also remarkably complex. And they're both sort of worlds in themselves, in and of themselves. And... Um, it's a different mindset. So to get those two things to work together, I guess people just hadn't really um, felt the need to do it or, or, or had the time or the, the will to um, pursue that. And, um, but we did, that was just, that's what we thought was cool. And um, yeah, it took, like I said, it took a while for people to come around. Um, and uh, but when they, now that they have, it's it's really helped because it just sort of legitimized all the stuff that we were doing before, um, and um, and I think it's going to continue that way now, especially with people looking at the how you know ecologically you know the state of the world and realizing like okay, uh, infinite growth isn't a thing. You know, it's we live in a planet with finite resources and. We shouldn't just be making stuff uh, just because we can or just for the money or just for like, you know, good numbers on the quarterly report. Um, so I think uh, building things, you know, more purposefully and more meaningfully is 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 going to be more and more important. And that definitely helps us because, you know, when you do things the way we do with, you know, the, um, the you know, furthest forward possible aesthetics and engineering um you know it, it doesn't just take twice as long it's like sometimes it's 10 times as long as it's like it's an order of magnitude more difficult which is why our collection is always you know so small yeah i was um i was i was on i was looking online the other day uh, at uh where's uh, mr porter i was online mr porter and i and i i was i hit uh, i was looking at tom ford i just clicked all and there was like there were over 600 Tom Ford products on that one website. I was like... It was just one season, right? It's, I mean, yeah. Probably, yeah. I, I didn't go into it. I was like, whatever. But, but I was like, for us to design 600 items, it would take us, um, you know, 
literally years. <laughs> like, you know, we'll do like, like our biggest collections probably is probably 20 pieces, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, whatever, when we were, you know, go to Stout Island showroom or Rick Owen showroom or whatever, and you'll, you'll see, it's like, it's hundreds of things that they make per season. Um, and we just can't do that as much yeah. as we would like to um, be able to have like, you know, endless variations of stuff or, or try out all kinds of different things. Um, we always have to decide like, all right, is this worth spending time on? Are we going to invest into this idea? Because um, if we do, that means we're going to leave out these other ones. And um, that's a question of scale for sure, but it's also just because the way we do it, it just takes longer. There's just Yeah, yeah. I would say you're always almost been on this point talk uh, like designing so many pieces when you took care of Stone Island Arcteryx and Acronym and I may, maybe there was some other stuff maybe some Nike stuff I mean this is <laughs> yeah. almost 600 pieces in design <laughs> no, no, right no. Huh? no it's probably uh, they're, they're, they were all smaller like ACG we did for Nike sometimes that was seven items right okay in, in one season yeah and um, um, and Stone Island Shadow was probably the biggest one that was like maybe 35 But so they're all relatively small. Um, and mainly that's because most of the clients that we worked with, um, they would come to us and ask us, like, can you do what you do, but for us, right? So using our variables and our um, infrastructure. Um, and that was great because then we, um, we could apply the same principles and ideas, but because you're trying to use the inherent strengths of the company you're working for, you end up with different things and different solutions. And uh, so we learned a lot that way, always. That was kind of our criteria for why we would do something. Um, if we can learn something, pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the cool thing you've done with all those brands and for, first and foremost, Acronym, your own brand, you um, created some kind of, uh, I would say in German, Blaupause, which is like usable for every jacket or every pant there's some stuff that this fits for every brand and a lot of brands like following you doing that stuff so two questions first one is like how important is like a long-lasting product or circularity in general like the green aspect yep. of clothing in your design and the second one is another one <laughs> when did you realize it's going over the edge with acronym when Eric Clapton took the first order or <laughs> uh, that's a good question yeah um, first question the the circularity thing is obviously hugely important that is I think the challenge of our generation or the next generation as well um, and it's such a far-reaching um, systemic issue that it's going to take all of us really uh, working on it from every possible angle because there's no there's just no easy solutions and um, I, I dislike saying that acronym is sustainable or circular because it's it's not you know there's no I mean the problem with all this it's great that the people's consciousness is shifting and you're seeing the dialogue about um, environmentally uh, compatible products but really The problem with the dialogue now is that there's no standards. There's no like governing body that says, yes, you know, this is demonstrably, provably sustainable. Here are yeah, the receipts. Yeah, true. And um, <clears throat> so most of the stuff, unfortunately, is still greenwashing. And um, 
you know, none of it is like, no matter what you do with it, it's like the most sustainable thing is just to not make it. <laughs> right? that's, that's, <laughs> that's just the truth. Right. <laughs> so, um, so with us, what we do is, is the way we look at it is if we are going to make it, then we really have to believe in it and, and see a, a purpose for it. And, um, and hopefully there, the thing is that it's, it, uh, it replaces something that's, you know, less purposeful or, or more disposable or however you want to want to call it. Um, what we do is, is in a lot of ways, it's like the opposite of fast fashion, which, uh, for a while, you know, really just dominated, um, you know, apparel, uh, economics. And hopefully that's, that's going to go away because it's just like the absolute worst in terms of, um, environmental impact, um, the quality of the clothes, you know, the amount of times people wear them, uh, the kind of dyes they use in the fabrics, um, the labor conditions of the people who make them, like, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, apparel manufacturing labor has got to be, it's got to be one of the most exploited labor forces of all industries. Um, and it's one of the biggest ones. It's everywhere, right? Apparel manufacturing is all over the world in every corner. And um, yeah, it's, it's that whole, the entire system is ripe for disruption and it's, uh, it's broken. So um, yeah, and it's so difficult to um, propose an alternative to that. Like it just takes such a long time for people to consciously understand what's going on. Um, but that's definitely happening now. People are, are coming around. It's like, um, I think it happened, it's it's great to see it in, in food, you know, where people are more aware of like... Yeah, definitely. Um, that's the first place I think people understood like, okay, supply chain is important, not just how it tastes and looks <laughs> and the price, but like, where did this come from? How is it harvested? What's inside it? Um, and that's the same for anything. I mean, that's that's the same for the clothes you wear, the the products you buy, you know the car you drive, all of that stuff is, has this, they all have the same issues. And, um, as we go forward as a society, I think it's boring and it's not like, you know, it's like, it's kind of a painful reckoning, but, um, that's actually where the real work is now to dive into that and, and solve those things. And, uh, um, boring is the wrong word. It's just, it's just not a, it's just not, well, me, the gener my generation, my at my age and how I grew up. Um, one of the ways I explained it to somebody else the other day was like, I feel like I finally know how to play the game or know how to beat the game. Yeah. And at the same time, I realized, oh, it's the wrong game. <laughs> <laughs> or it's the current world we're living in, huh? Yeah. yeah. And it, and it's just like, wow. Okay, so that was... Uh, misdirected you know my the perception is doesn't match the reality right so um but out of these kind of you know confrontations and uh you know um that's where the new stuff happens and that's where the new possibilities come up that we uh and i'm sure that'll drive that'll drive the future and yeah so cool and then the second question about when did we, um, I actually, I still feel like acronym is just 
reaching the tipping point now. Like, I don't feel like it's happened yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, um, because I know, I know what goes on on the inside, you know, and the, yeah. the external perception of the brand, um, uh, for whatever reason is, uh, is a lot bigger than, you know, what I know is the internal side of it is. Uh, so I still feel like we're, we're just getting started and, um, uh, we are definitely in a better place than we ever have been. That's for sure. But um, I think people assume uh, that we're just much larger and have more coverage than we actually do. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have so, some great clients. I wish I have like Eric Clapton or back then Robin Williams on my list. He's yeah, an amazing. It's, I, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, people just recognized maybe two years ago. This was actually geek. He started like wearing it very, very, very intensely. Super early. Yeah, yeah super early. And all brands. Like. Yeah. Now he was, you know, there's, I mean, we've all seen the photos of him rocking Bape, like, you know, how many years before Pharrell? <laughs> and uh, he knew his stuff, man. Um, I actually have a funny story where um, a guy I knew, Louis, came to Berlin from the States And uh, he was doing some stuff here. He was a great guy. But he went back uh, to New York for a while. And he was like, he sent me this text message once, you know, I hadn't seen him for a while. And he's like, yo, I was just with Robin Williams' son and his dad sent him a package and he opened it up and it was a fucking acronym jacket inside. Well, cool <laughs> so, that. <laughs> and, you know, this is way before, you know, Nike collabs and whatever. Mm -hmm. like, uh, you really had to know, you know, um, know your shit to actually even know that we existed. And I was like, wow, that's really, that's wild. Like, that's wild. That's a cool story. Yeah. And um, that's that's definitely easily the coolest thing about the work is the, is the, the people that you get to meet because of it and the it's also the most surprising because you just, you know, people that I would never have thought you would even know what we do. They're, they're fully into it and collecting and, um, you know, hardcore fans. And yeah, that's, it's amazing. That's, that's easily the best part about the, about the job. Cool. Yeah. Sometimes like there is a few like soccer players when I saw them at the stadium live, it was like Franz Beckenbauer when I saw him the first time, like really standing like two meters <laughs> besides me in like a VIP stuff at the, the Berlin Olympic Stadium. I was there with Foley and like we both shaking. That's him. Like, whoa. Whoa. That's him. He's real. Do, do you have this moments with some um, people? Let me think. Um, yeah, I mean... The, the probably the, the one that comes to mind right away is um, <laughs> is uh, I was sitting in a car we were in Berlin and uh, my phone rings it's a my Motorola Razor rings it's like that's that's how long ago it is <laughs> and um, and I'm like and I pick up I'm like hello and then the voice on the other side is like is this Errolson I'm like yeah and I'm the whole time I'm thinking like I know this voice I know this voice like who is this like And says, yeah, hi, this is Eric. I'm like, Eric, who's Eric? <laughs> he's like, I got your number from Hiroshi. And like now I'm like, I'm even more confused, you know? Yeah. Like, what's going on? Anyway, I'm on tour and I'm going to be in Berlin on Saturday. And would you be around? And is it okay if we come 
to this shop, you know? <laughs> and then, and then uh, yeah, it turned out it was Eric Clapton. And uh, wow. that, was, that was wild. That was just like, this is cool. What the hell? <laughs> Sorry, and, Eric, what shop do you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, so he came by Firmament. Um, and uh, that was also the first time I saw like, um, like rock star shopping, which was really cool. He was just like, um, size medium and, and basically just took everything that was in size medium and put it in a box and it was like, thanks. You've been to the concert afterwards? Yeah, yeah. and he, he invited us. He was super gracious and uh, took care of us and, you know, went to the concert and, you know, VIP, backstage, champagne, the whole thing. It was just like, this is crazy. And um, yeah, he's such a chill guy. He's such a cool dude. Um, as um, you know, anybody who's who's dealt with him will, will tell you. Um, I had another funny Eric Clapton experience. I've only met him twice, um, three times. Sorry. Um, we I got in. We were supposed to go to. A, a, it was a Visvin party. Actually, it was a Visvin party in LA, and uh, I got the address totally wrong. Like um, back, this is MapQuest days. So before. <laughs> Google Maps, you know? and we're like on the wrong end of town, like in this endlessly long street in LA. Um, and then figured out, okay, wrong spot, but and ended up getting to the party, like dinner slash party, like it was already over. Um, and uh, I was with my friend Steven. We walk in the lobby, like super deflated from like, you know, an hour of like driving pointlessly through LA and uh, tired out and, and um, standing in the lobby, like, is this even the right spot? Like trying to see somebody's, you know, that we recognize. And then from behind us, somebody goes, Hey, Errolson, how's it going? <laughs> and turn around and, uh, and it's Eric Clapton <laughs> sitting on, sitting on in the lobby. And I'm like, Oh, Hey Eric, what's up? He's like, yeah, I have a seat. We're just chatting here. <laughs> and my friend Steven's like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> This is Eric Clapton. <laughs> the greatest guitar player on earth. Yeah, it was super funny. Yeah, so um, yeah, Eric, a legend. Yeah, cool. I mean, going back to the whole design thing after gaming laptop, right? Actually, designing clothes for Hollywood movies. Yep. Um, car project. Uh, yes. Yes. So, is there one would what would be your favorite piece? You, if you have an option, what would it be? If to I had design? to pick, like favorite, yeah. like collaborative project. Um, wow. Um, or a thing, like even a watch or a spoon, maybe. I don't know. Like to do next? Yeah. If you would choose one thing you never got your hands on, what would it be? Um, probably I've been thinking a lot about bicycles recently actually um, and uh, back in the Toronto days in university we, we kind of messed around with one of my uncles um, owns a bike shop and he's a bike mechanic and we had messed around with some, some interesting like bike not designs but more like modifications and that was always really fun and I was just thinking the other day like it might be like time to try that again because, uh, well, now we have obviously more resources and skills. Um, but it's also just seems like 
that's the perfect machine for the future, right? Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely nothing you know concrete yet, but just that's been kind of um, percolating in the back somewhere. Um, yeah, and we have another project that I can't talk about yet that uh, I'm super excited about that should come out in 2023, actually. Um, <clears throat> that'll be a new cool thing. Um, yeah, really, it's um, the, I think the most surprising thing for me about the collaborations is that um, when they work, we pretty much do just sort of what we always do. And um, it's not like we have to relearn, you know, a whole method of working or anything. Like um, people, you know, the great thing about doing something that like you identify with uh, uh, and you have your, or you have your own approach is that when people see it, they're like, oh, we, we want you to do that. So, um, you know, even when we're designing stuff, like if we design stuff for, for film or for, um, or for video games, um, we just design it like we're de designing a real product, like a real jacket. And then um, it's great that, you know, in our case, we're, it translates over um, into those, you know, fictional worlds. Um, same with the laptop. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's surprising and sort of like empowering because you're like, oh, not totally crazy. <laughs> could, could keep 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 going this way for a little while longer there's still possibilities and still things to still things to learn yeah cool how do you um uh, get along in berlin mobile do you have a bike um i do but it's got flat tires um i just walk now and it's not yeah. stolen so not, yeah no it's not stolen it's still <laughs> it's inside <laughs> it's uh, it's safe in the archive but uh no i just walk every time um Okay, I took a taxi here because I didn't know where it was and it was a bit further away than I anticipated. But um, yeah, I generally, I love walking. Like even when I travel and I go to any other city, I'm usually jet lagged and uh, awake at ridiculous hours. So I, I always like to just go outside and pick a direction randomly and, and see what the city is about. But uh, yeah, in Berlin, I feel... Like I'm a tourist in Berlin these days too because I just haven't been interacting with the city for quite a while. Um, the last couple of years, I, like I said, I've been traveling a lot and working way too much. Um, so when I come back to Berlin, the studio, and um, I usually, I'm just like, I go to the office in the morning and then I leave like 14 hours later. <laughs> like so, and then I just, my apartment is like, it's I think it's a three and a half minute walk away yeah. from the studio. So. And there's like two restaurants that are also about that distance. <laughs> and that's it. That's how I just stay there. And, um, yeah. And uh, so, you know, in contrast to when I first came to Berlin, the first couple of years, you know, um, I'd go out at, you know, three nights a week, four nights a week. <laughs> there, was a, there was a period where I started to like, know all of the bouncers at all the different places and I was like I was like this can is... we stop this discussion yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think we met <laughs> yeah, exactly. sometime we might, might have run into each other <laughs> yeah so I'm not yeah that's that's a that's a that's a 180 now I'm like yeah how do you feel about Berlin in, in general um good yeah I feel good about Berlin it's um tell us something about your relationship to the city um 
I mean, Berlin was super critical for for Akronim, uh, for me as a creative person in terms of development because it was like, um, I never lived in a city that I identified with ever in my life. Like I was always like from some small town or some place where I just, you know, didn't like anything or anyone <laughs> or felt, you know, like, uh, felt, felt left out of the entire, you know, scene or community. Um, and Berlin was like one of the, first places where it was like at least when I got here um, it probably still is like that actually um, it's one of the few cities where it's like it's a city uh, on a scale where a lot of interesting things happen and you know people come through but locally there's a lot of like uh, really strong creativity but that you don't need like a lot of money to access it. Yeah, that's true. And that's like, it's so, that's amazing, right? So if you're, you know, young or you, you just don't have access or whatever, um, you know, when I came to Berlin, it was like, I was like, wow, it's not even, it's not even cool to have money here. <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> it's just, like, this is incredible. And, uh, and it's also like, because of the, uh, you know, the economics of the city, um, you can try something out. Right, and you try yeah. something out, and you put a little bit of money to it, and you you fuck it up, but your whole life doesn't end. You know, then <laughs> you're like, okay, that didn't work. I'll try something else. You know, and um, an acronym like there's no other city we could have done what we did uh, just because of the you know the costs uh, involved. Um, I could never have set up the studio in in New York or London or or L.A. or any. I, I thought about it, you know, or Tokyo. Um, thought about it, I don't know how many times, and would look into it and just be like, there's just no way. And um, so um, that was that was instrumental in, in allowing us to like, also to figure out what we were doing, right? Because, you know, we, we laugh at our company because we have such an individual way of approaching things, which is our strengths, because our, it makes, that means our products and the results of what we do are, are visibly different from everybody else's or, or functionally different as well um, but we've also like nobody's ever worked anywhere else so we have no idea like how, how does everyone else do this right? <laughs> like, so we're all we're all self-taught and it's uh, you know for better or for worse and um, and Berlin as a city allowed that allowed that to happen because it wasn't this you know insane uh, treadmill situation where you're just trying to survive you know And, uh, you know, I had like a little apartment in, in Brooklyn for a while. Um, and before that, a place in L.A. And I'd go there every once in a while um, and try and work there and, and do stuff. But I just realized like, wow, it's, it takes so much effort to um, just kind of stay afloat there. Um, and I just wasn't in the position where I was like, okay, I can devote my time to this. I just had too many responsibilities and um, and not enough resources. So it was just like, yeah. It uh, and Berlin turned out to be the perfect the perfect spot for that. Yeah. yeah. So that's true. You can do a lot without any money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see it here. Twenty five years of lowdown. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And um, and at the end of the day, that's that's what counts, right? It's like um, I saw an interview with uh, the guy who's going to play Blade Mahershala. Uh, Marshall Ali, is that how he said his name? Um, the other day, and he's, he was just talking about um, 
creativity and he was like, you know, all those other people can bring is the money. You know, and I always saw it the other way around. I was like, God, if I only I had the money, right? Yeah. And um, and when he said that, I was like, he's absolutely right. Like the money is like kind of, in some ways, is the least important part because if it wasn't, then every Hollywood movie would be amazing, right? <laughs> you know, like, and and they're all, I mean, they're almost all, you know, like anything. Uh, when you see companies throw money at something, it it almost never works, right? So. Um, if I, I think I, that would have helped my sanity a lot if I had realized that when I was younger, like that actually it is, it's really the creativity and the, and the intention that, that counts. As hard as that is when you're like struggling to buy groceries and pay rent, you know, but, yeah. but it's still, you know, that is still, um, yeah, I still think that's also why, why I have no problem with acronym being um, small. Like, you know, where we could have, we could have made, you know, tons more money than we have, but um, and it's and it's good to it's good to be financially secure. But um, you know, most of the decisions that get made by companies, and especially in at least the industry I know, and in fashion, it's it's almost always just about the money, right? And that's uh, which is kind of sad in the end of the day, at the end of the day right? Because you. And, and you can see it when you pick up the stuff. You're like, oh yeah, the only thing they cared about here was was the profit margin. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, some some people die hard, like they're pretty trying to get into something. Like they they definitely want it, and if it's tried too hard, then it doesn't work. You yeah, you can tell from the beginning. You can, see it yeah. just, it, you can see it doesn't have. There's no soul. There's no authenticity. There's no. Just it's just not it's just not cool and um, yeah so in Berlin now um, yeah like I said I feel like I'm gonna well everybody probably feels like that after the pandemic but like get back into like rediscovering everything um, yeah it still feels uh, um, occasionally it feels too small you know I've I've always been into like you know, bigger cities um, that just have always fascinated me. Coming from a small town, growing up in a small town, I was always like, yeah, Tokyo, New York, whatever. Um, you know, and now I definitely realized that, like, having a manageable scale um, also has advantages, right? And uh, and Berlin's, like, right in the middle. It's got, like, it's a small place, but it's not too small. And, uh, yeah, and it's just, you know, I would say, you know, what other people describe, um, how they describe cool. Hey, dude, what's happening? <laughs> Good to see you. <laughs> the boss comes in yes, for the record. Absolutely. Um, the OG. Um, yeah, when, when other people, people in other cities talk about cool, like Berlin is actually cool, right? And um, I, still think that's, I still think that's 100% true. Good. One last question. What's on Eris's playlist nowadays? Um, my playlist, uh, two completely opposite things I listened to recently. Uh, I, drove, I drove from Munich to Berlin the other day. And uh, for whatever reason, I was like, I didn't have anything on my, on my, on my phone. Uh, so I, I would just 
I just hit the Drake Essential Mix playlist. And then, uh, and then I was like, whatever, and I drove away. And yo, that, the Essential Mix didn't repeat for the entire drive. Wow. <laughs> okay, like, six hours, it's, six, it's, seven it's, hours. It's, yeah. over, it's over five hours long. So that, that blew me away. I was like, what the hell? And you know, and you know all the songs, right? You're like, okay, this, is, this guy's written a lot of stuff. And then the other thing I've been into uh, is this band called the Linda Lindas, um, which are like these uh, mixed race, they're little girls. Like I think one of them's nine. <laughs> and the oldest one is like 14 from LA. Okay. And, uh-huh. they, and they, they play this like uh, riot girl, you know, guitar music. And uh, they're amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. Definitely worth YouTubing. They're just, uh, I think they just signed to a record label recently and um it's so punk rock it's so cool it's just like wow this kid is these kids are like you know 12 <laughs> and like i will never be this cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah. it kids nowadays are yeah it's like, incredible if you see them yeah. oh wow yeah yeah exactly i mean i think that's the result of like i said just growing up and having access to information and and sort of being able to finesse like you know the systems and be, and understand like oh I can I can I can suck information out of this and I can contact this person and 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 then yeah and having the situation where the parents were like willing to let you go off and do all that that shit it's it's amazing yeah. cool hope for the next hope for the future and the next generations yeah okay so bike can uh, bicycle companies if you hear this <laughs> we are here we we all need new bikes and we have a perfect designer here for you just like drop us like info at podcastlowdown.com or something thanks awesome. Arison. awesome thank you thank Marcus. you very much